May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I want to welcome you as we continue with our message series called Unshakable. And in this series, we've take, we're, look, we are going through the top seven prayer request topics that are turned in on the connection cards here in our service. And today, we come to a topic that pretty much everybody has dealt with at some time or another, and that is doubt. I'm going to tell you, there is nothing that can shake you to the core like doubt. In fact, I remember... When I had a pretty serious bout with doubt, it lasted more than a year. I was a young man at the time, and for more than a year, I doubted whether I was a genuine Christ follower or not. Now, I had prayed a prayer to become a Christ follower when I was 11 years old. And when I prayed that prayer, asking Jesus to come into my life to forgive me and you know, promising to follow him, I mean, I meant it. And I had been baptized. I mean, I went to church regularly. Um, I even went to Bible studies in the middle of the week. I was, you know, I was mostly a good person. You know, from time to time, I even read my Bible. But I still doubted. I I did everything I knew to do, but I I still doubted. I mean, was I a genuine Christ follower? When I prayed that prayer, did I really mean it? Let me tell you, I was appropriately scared, okay? I was appropriately scared that if I died, that, like, I wouldn't go to heaven. Like, I'd go straight to, you know, a warmer climate, you know, let's say. And so you know what I did? I prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower again. You know, just in case it didn't take the first time, you know. But after I prayed that prayer, like, I didn't feel any different. You know, and if you pray a prayer that changes your eternal destiny, don't you think you should feel something? But I didn't. I didn't feel anything. And you know what I did? I prayed it again. I prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower again. And the next day, I prayed it again. And then again. And then again. And then again. I'll bet you over the course of the year, I prayed that prayer more than a hundred times. But I still doubt it. You know how I won my bout with doubt? I finally decided that I would listen to what the Bible said was true about me, and I stopped listening to what my feelings said was true about me. And so what did the Bible say is true about me? Well, let me share it with you. These are two passages that were actually pointed out to me by a friend. The first... It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 5. The Bible says this. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Which made me think, well, what's the test? I want to know what the test is. But Paul doesn't tell us what the test is in Corinthians. It's almost as if the Corinthians already knew what the test was. And so perhaps they had thought back to what Jesus had taught a group of religious leaders of the day when he was teaching them how they could know whether they were true believers or not. 
And that happens in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Jesus says this. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. Now, in that passage, um, the tree is symbolic of a person's life. Okay, so I ask myself, does the way I live my life prove that Jesus lives inside me? Or does the way I live my life prove that Jesus does not live inside? Because, I mean, the truth is, we can't, like, physically look inside our soul to see if Jesus is in there. The only way to know is to do what the Bible says, and that is to test ourselves to see if Jesus is really a part of our lives. And we do that by asking, does the way I live and behave point to Jesus? Am I closer to Jesus now than I was five years ago, let's say? And for me, when I looked at my life and I looked at what I was doing and when I looked at what I wasn't doing, I realized that my life pointed to Jesus. And so then I never doubted from that point forward. Now all of us are going to have a bout with doubt at some point. And so finding a solution to doubt is critical. And there's three areas where most people doubt. Okay, these are your feelings. Here's the first. We doubt whether we are truly Christ followers, whether we're truly saved. We doubt whether God is real and does he actually exist. And then we also doubt whether God is truly good because so much bad is happening. And see, when we get stuck in a cycle of doubt, the truth is it can paralyze us spiritually. It can make us feel like God's a million miles away. It can make us feel like we're wasting our time following a God that we've never seen and never touched. Now before we go any deeper in our message this morning, let's get a good handle on what doubt is and what doubt is not, okay? So, number one, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Secondly, doubt means to be of two minds. It means to be of two minds. Well, what two minds? Well, it's the two minds of faith and unbelief. For instance, for me, you know, my, on the faith side, it was, you know, I prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower. But on the unbelief side, it was like, well, but did I really mean it? Well, but I'm trying to live my life for Jesus as best that I can. But you know what? I don't really feel anything. I don't feel any different. And so I'm of two minds. And so I'm in this middle place called doubt. Because it's a struggle between two minds. Doubt is I am of two minds. That's what it really, really means. And by the way, doubt is not a sin. To doubt is not a sin. In fact, God can actually use our doubt to motivate us to dig a little bit deeper, you know, perhaps to find out if we really are Christ followers or not. And if we realize that we're not, then we can become one. God can use doubt to motivate us to find out and dig deeper and solve the real of, is God really real? 
Is God really good even when I see so much bad happening? And then when we arrive at the conclusion, then when it comes to that issue and we have that settled once for all, then we become even more unshakable in our faith. So it's not a sin to doubt. God's not afraid of our doubt because he knows he's real and that he's good. So it's no sin to doubt. Well, then how do I win about with doubt. Here's the first way. Number one, spend personal time with Jesus. You got to spend personal time with Jesus. Look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 2. It says this, when John, and he's talking about John the Baptist, not John the Apostle, okay? So when John the Baptist heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who, who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, did you catch what's going on with John the Baptist here? Because we kind of read it fairly quickly. He's in prison. He's separated from Jesus, who, by the way, was his cousin. And John was a guy who once spoke to huge crowds about God. But those days are long gone. I mean, now he languishes in a Roman prison, not because of any crime he committed, but because he told Herod that he was wrong for committing incest. And John has a pretty good idea that he's not going to make it out of prison alive. And as time goes on, John begins to doubt. He begins to doubt that Jesus is really the Christ, that he's really the Son of God. And just a few chapters earlier, John is the one who baptized Jesus and proclaimed that Jesus would be the one to take away the sins of the world. But now he really, really doubts. Because ever since Jesus came along, I mean, his life has gone from preaching to huge crowds to being put in prison to about to, being ex- about to be executed. And so look at this. John's in prison and he's separated from Jesus. He can no longer see what Jesus is doing. He's not around Jesus, so he can't hear his voice. He he can't receive any encouragement. And after a prolonged period of time separated from Jesus and and a hard encounter with bad things, doubt settles in. You ever felt like John? You ever wondered, if God is so good, then why are things so bad? You know, if God loves me, then why is this happening? Perhaps that's where you are today. Perhaps you doubt that God is good because things in life are bad. I mean, look, I understand that. John the Baptist understands that. God understands that. And I'm willing to bet if you look back on the times in your life when you have doubted, when you've had a serious bout with doubt, perhaps because you doubted God's goodness because of all the badness going on around you, if you were to look back at that time, I'll bet you would find that you were separated from Christ. Because probably the only time you really talked to him or spoke to him was when you were telling him to fix what was going on. You probably weren't really reading your Bible regularly, spending that personal time alone with him. 
See, when you're separated from Jesus, like, just like John was, then you can find yourself in a prison of doubt. That's why it's so important that if you're going to make a move away from unbelief and away from doubt and toward faith, that you log some personal time with Jesus. Look, here's the deal. Even if you're not going through a difficult time, you need to make a solid commitment to spend time alone with Jesus, reading your Bible and praying every day. That way, whenever difficult times come, you won't find yourself in this spot of being in two minds. You will be single-mindedly focused on following Jesus because you're spending that time alone with him. You and I need to do that. Look what Jesus says back to John. Verse 4. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. See, essentially, John doubted that God was good because there was so much bad going on in his life, and therefore, if God wasn't good, then was Jesus really his son? Was Jesus really the savior of the world like he previously thought? And Jesus responds to John essentially by saying, look, while you only see bad things happening around you, I'm still doing a lot of good in the world somewhere else. You just can't see it from where you are. Look, when bad things are happening in your life, look, it is hard to see God's goodness because none of it seems to be coming your way. I understand that. But God's still good. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still doing good things. You just can't see it from where you are. And that's why it's called faith. Because sometimes you just have to choose to believe even when your feelings tell you something else. And that's why it's so crucial that you make a firm commitment to spend time alone with God every day. Because, yes, you need it for today, but even more importantly, you're going to need it someday. You just don't know when that someday is going to be here. So make a commitment to spend personal time alone with Jesus. It helps you become unshakable in your faith. Now, there's a second way that you can win your bout with doubt, and that is this. Fall toward faith. Fall toward faith. Now, let's read about a guy, honestly, who's got a bad rap. Uh, his name is Thomas. You probably know him as Doubting Thomas, and he gets that reputation from what happens in the passage we're about to read. So let me tell you what's going on. Here's the context. Jesus has already been crucified, and he's already been raised to life. In fact, he's already appeared to the disciples, but unfortunately, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus came. So, here we go. John chapter 20, beginning verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. 
Now, you got to be careful when you make statements like that. Because look what happens next. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, I think Jesus had to tell them that, you know, they needed some peace in that moment because Jesus has just appeared inside a locked room. I mean, I think these guys are about to poop their pants, okay? That's what I really think was going on here. All right, verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Look, I mean, bottom line, Thomas didn't believe that Jesus had come back to life. I mean, he had seen this guy beaten, whipped, crucified, and died. He saw it with his own two eyes. I mean, there was no doubt about that. And so when the other disciples came to him and said, hey, Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. We've seen him. I think Thomas is like, man, that is more than any reasonable man can believe. Maybe that's you today. I mean, maybe you're sitting here in church or maybe you're driving down the road listening to this podcast. And you're the type of person that says, you know, seeing is believing. Perhaps you've doubted that God's real, or that Jesus is real, or any of this stuff with Christianity is real. You know what? That's okay. That's okay. Doubting is not a sin. But I'll tell you this, you can't live in doubt forever. You either have to fall toward unbelief, or you have to fall toward faith. And so let me tell you, when you're choosing which way you're going to fall, fall towards faith. Fall toward faith. And it goes with any kind of doubt, whether you're doubting your salvation, whether you're doubting God's goodness, or even if you're doubting his existence, when you're choosing which way to fall, fall toward faith. That's what Thomas did. Now, yeah, he had the advantage of actually seeing Jesus in person. He actually was able to put his fingers and his hand in the wounds of Jesus. But in the end, he fell toward faith. So if you've ever doubted God's existence or that Jesus is real, that he's the son of God, I want you to think about this. That there is no credible historical source that offers any credible evidence that disputes this encounter between Jesus and Thomas. No credible historian disputes the existence of Jesus or offers any credible evidence that Jesus never existed. No one offers any credible evidence that Jesus didn't appear after he died. Which, I think that's remarkable, by the way, that nobody's ever really been able to dispute the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead. And no one offers any credible evidence that Thomas did not put his fingers and his hand inside into the wounds of Jesus after he rose again from the dead. So, since what we read here actually did happen then fall toward faith 
Fall toward faith. I mean, Jesus himself says that you'll be blessed if you are among those who have seen, who have not seen, and yet believe. Look, and he's not asking that you take like some just gigantic blind leap of faith. He's asking that you would take an informed step of faith to believe in him. Because historians have never offered any credible evidence that discredit the crucifixion or the resurrection of Jesus or this encounter between Jesus and Thomas. Because see, Jesus came to this earth for people like you. He came to this earth for people like me. And his crucifixion was part of God's plan so that your sin and my sin could be forgiven. Because here's the deal. Somebody's got to pay for your sins. Either you can pay for them by being separated from God in a place called hell. Or you can go to heaven when you die because you've asked Jesus to pay for your sins for you. And that forgiveness is God's free gift to you. You don't have to do anything to earn it. But here's the deal. Once you accept it, then the expectation is, is that you would follow Jesus with how you live your life as your way of showing God how thankful you are for him forgiving you for everything you've ever done and promising you heaven when you die. That's the deal. So, how do you receive that forgiveness? You do it by praying a short prayer, asking Jesus to forgive you, and pledging to follow him from this day forward. Are you ready to do that? You know, or maybe you've been struggling with doubt. Doubt whether you're really a Christ follower or or not. You know, perhaps you were like me and have struggled with that for a long time. And if you're sitting here and you are thinking that, you know what, my life actually does not point to the fact that I honor Jesus with how I live and behave. My life doesn't point to Jesus. Then maybe you're not really a Christ follower. You need to take care of that today. Make sure, become a Christ follower this morning. At the bottom of your message notes is a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower. If you've never prayed that prayer or one like it, then I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer right here in this service in just a few moments. But in closing, let me just say this. Whenever you find yourself doubting, whenever you find yourself going back and forth between two minds, make a commitment to just fall toward faith. Make that commitment to fall toward faith. You know, because sometimes faith is just simply choosing to believe even when your feelings aren't there. Your feelings will eventually follow. So you have to choose to fall toward faith. And listen, here's the deal. If you will choose to fall toward faith, you know what that'll do? That will make your faith in God unshakable. Because you've made an unshakable commitment to always fall that direction. And let me tell you, I'm so thankful for me because when I made that decision to fall toward faith, it changed my life. And it'll change yours. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your connection card. I want you to turn it over on the back. Look at those next steps. I want you to hold the next steps right next to your sermon notes. On your notes and on the card, I want you to check the next step or steps you're willing to take today. Maybe it's this first one. I'm not 100% sure I'm a Christ follower. So I will test myself to see if my life, 
if my lifestyle shows whether I am a true Christ follower or not. Would you put yourself to the test? I mean, be honest. Next, I know I'm a genuine Christ follower. So when I doubt my salvation, I commit to fall toward faith. Would you make that commitment? It's huge. Next, I'm committing to a daily time alone with God, praying and reading my Bible to combat doubt. I'm telling you, there is nothing, there is no other single commitment you can do as a Christ follower that will change your life more than this. Because no matter what's going on in your life, God will meet you right there. And he'll give you exactly what you need, time and time again. Next, I've doubted God is good because I've experienced so much bad. But I'm falling toward faith today by believing God is good all the time. I mean, you might not be able to see it from where you are. I understand that. God understands. But would you make it, that commitment to fall toward faith anyway? Next, when I doubt God is real, I commit to fall toward faith by, be, by choosing to believe. Or this last one. I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. I'm going to give everybody a chance to do business with God. And so I want you to look at these next steps. And whatever next steps you've committed to, I want to give you a chance to pray silently to the Lord. Commit yourself or ask him to do whatever it is you need him to do in your life. Or if you need to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower, this is going to be your chance to do that. But right now, I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Or if you're listening on the podcast, I want you to pray right now in your car or wherever you are. But take these next moments. Do business with God right now. Father, I thank you for every person that is in this room and every person that's listening to this recording. And Lord, I'm asking you that you would meet each person right where they are. Lord, that they would be able to sense your presence and how real you are. And for those in this room that have finally settled the issue of whether they are Christ followers or not, by praying that prayer for the first time and really meaning it, God, I ask that you would help them to grow and deepen in their faith. And you would help all of us, Father. Whenever we begin to doubt, whenever we begin to be, we feel ourselves torn between two minds, between faith and unbelief, Lord, I ask that you would help each of us to fall towards faith, to fall into your arms, and that you would catch us. And that every time we do that, we become more and more unshakable in our faith. Bring us all back next week, Lord, to hear more of what you have to say to us. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.